Star Wars 7x7 episode 1414 today, our continuation of the Solo Movie Club, and it's going to take a little bit of a sideways turn into Ron Howard's inspirations for the filming of Solo, a Star Wars story. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Trisha Barr, author of Ultimate Star Wars and host of Fangirls Going Rogue, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7 the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7. So we're continuing our series of looks at films that inspired the making of Solo A Star Wars Story, but we're taking a little bit of a sideways turn today, and instead of talking about the movies that the Kasdans have been referencing in their writing of Solo A Star Wars Story, today we're looking at a couple of movies that Ron Howard, the director of Solo, has cited as being inspirations for how he approached the material. And it might have something to do with the subject matter to some degree. I mean, you know, that ship right back there. But a couple of racing films were cited by Ron Howard as of particular interest to him as he approached the movie. One of them is a classic, and that would be Bullet, the Steve McQueen vehicle, uh, no pun intended, which involves one of the most iconic car chase scenes in movie history, the one that goes through San Francisco. And man, I rewatched that car chase during, you know, the preparation for this episode. And some of those shots are actually kind of almost vomit-inducing in a way. I mean that in a complimentary way, and it doesn't necessarily sound like that on the face of it, but let me explain. So the shots from the insides of the cars as they are going down these crazy steep streets in San Francisco, just the realism of it being inside the car as they are trying to, you know, get away from Steve McQueen and Steve McQueen is chasing down these bad guys. It's just insane. I mean, you really actually feel like you are going down an incredibly steep San Francisco street at a breakneck pace. It's insane. It's absolutely insane and brilliantly filmed. Now, that's a great source of inspiration, but you know, it's one thing to look at a film like that and say, oh, I'd like to shoot something like that. And it's another thing to shoot something like that yourself entirely. But thankfully, Ron Howard actually has a little bit of experience in that regard. And it has to do with a movie that he did called Rush. And if you're not familiar with the movie, well, you could hardly be blamed. It was kind of just a there and gone sort of movie. I mean, I remember the marketing for it, but it was almost gone from theaters the moment that it was there. Although it did reasonably well, I guess it had a budget of $38 million, according to uh, Wikipedia, not Wikipedia, Wikipedia. <laughs> so often citing Wikipedia on here that when I'm actually trying to talk about the real thing, it's a, a little bit of a tongue twister. Anyway, so according to Wikipedia, it made uh, upwards of $90 million on a $38 million budget. So hey, it made money, right? That's not a bad thing. And it stars, among other people, the god of thunder, Thor himself, Chris Hemsworth, as the Playboy race car driver James Hunt from England, and he is racing against a guy named Nicky Lauda, and that's played by Daniel Brühl. Brühl? Brühl? Yeah, pronunciation fun on Star Wars 7x7 as usual. Anyway, the movie is about a rivalry between Lauda and Hunt, 
and this is taking place during the 1970s in the Formula One racing circuit. So a little bit esoteric because not a heck of a lot of people, at least here stateside, are familiar with Formula One stuff. But certainly over across the pond, it's a much bigger proposition. Anyway, the movie got you know tremendous reviews. It was you know well respected and whatnot. And I've been watching the racing sequences, which is what it really is all about. And it's fantastic. I mean, it's tremendously well shot. It's very, uh, it's very adrenaline pumping. It's very aggressive. It's very exciting and elaborate and very well done. And the performances by uh, Nikki Lada and James Hunt, by Hemsworth and Brule, they're really fantastic too. And it puts you in mind of the fact that you've got Han and Lando and you've got this incredible particular machine, the Millennium Falcon, and what kind of rivalry might they be developing? I mean, you could see how well run Howard handled the James and Nikki rivalry in, in Rush. So you could see that there's definitely a background, as it were, for him to create that kind of rivalry and to manage it very well in Solo, A Star Wars Story. Not to say, of course, that all of his other <laughs> decades of directing experience wouldn't set him up to be able to do something like that, but it's, you know, worth noting that he has something that bears pretty well directly on the job that he was brought in to do. But unfortunately, the early reviews are in and, you know, the word is not as good as we would like it to be. Now, everything's about spin, right? And so when you see headlines that say that Solo, A Star Wars Story is the worst reviewed Star Wars movie since Attack of the Clones, wow, okay, that's pretty harsh to say the least. But Right now, actually, if you look at the top critic situation, it's in a dead heat with Deadpool 2. So I know the, the all critics thing is a lot higher for Deadpool 2 versus Solo A Star Wars Story. But if you click and look at the top critic results, well, it's actually right even neck and neck at 66%. So, ah, what are you going to do? I mean, ultimately, I want to see it. I want to see what they do with it. And, you know, when you look at the whole critic situation, over the years as I've been watching movies, not just Star Wars movies, but any kinds of movies. I've been looking for particular film critics because, you know, sometimes you just realize that there are certain people whose opinions you match up with, right? And so you get to a place where you can kind of trust some voices and not necessarily others. So, for example, Peter Travers from Rolling Stone. I mean, I don't trust a single word that guy says because he is just all over the board with... <laughs> anything he says. Now, if he works for you, then hey, fantastic. He works for you. And I'm very glad that you found his reviews. I'm just picking one guy where it's like, really him for me, for, just for me. But, you know, I like A.O. Scott and Manola Dargis from the New York Times. I do think that my opinion tends to line up with theirs very frequently. And A.O. Scott's the one who reviewed Solo and he has a positive rating on it. So, I am happy at least about that because at least it's pushing me in the right direction for things and is still going to keep me hopeful entering the movie because, you know, the summary on Rotten Tomatoes said, you know, there's definitely good stuff in it for fans who are able to check their expectations at the door. And that's exactly what I would have been doing in the first place because, hey, Solo and Chewie, they had a whole story that was rendered legend by the reboot of the expanded universe. And so, you know, now it's a whole brand new thing, so you kind of have to check your expectations at the door. It'll be really interesting to see how they decide to redefine this origin story. And that's going to do it for our look 
briefly our conversations about Bullet and Rush, two movies that Ron Howard has cited as inspirations for his work on Solo, A Star Wars Story. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we will do Last Jedi Trivia. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. May the 4th is Star Wars Day, and it's also the date of our 1400th episode. So to celebrate all during the month of May, you can get the unofficial Star Wars The Force Awakens trivia book for just $7.77. That's whether you pay in dollars, pounds, or euros, just $7.77 at SW7X7.com slash TFA for the U.S. version of Amazon, or just search for the unofficial Force Awakens trivia book on any European version of Amazon. Welcome back. All right, so last time we were talking about how Poe Dameron was messing with General Hux and an officer on the First Order ship had to tell General Hux that, but there was a particular word that this officer used, and he said that the guy was tooling with him, and there's your answer. He was tooling with General Hux. And today's question for you is... What was the urgent message about, according to Poe Dameron? It was regarding a certain person, and I want to know who that person was. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go jumping out skyscraper windows, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And please support the podcast by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a shapeshifter, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.